0: Yeah, baby. We're back for episode two of Above the Break. Today is December 6th. It's a Monday. It's 1230 on the East Coast. And I believe what? That makes it two o'clock in Iceland.
1: (laughs) Uh something like
0: that. Something like that. Um, Okay, we have a great episode for you today. We're going to do a Rockets roundup in a few minutes. But first, we got to get to some injury news, because unfortunately, the NBA is dominated, is dominated by injuries now. I don't understand why. I don't know why people can't just be instructable. I would like that because my hamstrings are aching and I have not done nearly enough to deserve that. All right, James. First one up, Bam Adebayo. Out for, we're not exactly sure, but from what I've heard, it tends to be an eight-week injury. Out with a UCL injury in his thumb wasn't doing for the heat season because they've been dealing with injuries, they started out hot, they kind of stumbled a bit. What do you think this does for their seeding come playoff time?
1: It definitely doesn't do it any favors. I if if I'm trying to be optimistic, the, the best I could say is that maybe the heat don't care as much about the regular season as some teams might, this team feels a little bit like built for the postseason. I think. So if he can get back on track you, shortly after he gets back on the floor, you know, if there's no long-term like lingering effects, which there probably won't be with a thumb injury, it might not be a major deal for them, but it's not going to help their, their playoff seating one bit. And they're already not really in a great position. So it, it's definitely a blow for the team. What do you think?
0: Well, I think it's actually a blessing in the skies oh. because well, what I'm about to say is stupid. Um, <laughs> it, it, he, he tore his UCL on his uh, his, uh, his left hand, his non-shooting hand. So my theory is he's just going to spend like the next two months just getting real good at shooting. <laughs> um, no, uh, I do think it hurts him a lot. Like, I think he's super important to what they do on defense. And I think he's very important to what they do on offense. He's kind of, he's the guy that is, he's the man behind the curtain, I think for the Heat's success in a lot of ways. I will say, they're probably regretting right now giving up Precious Achua in that Kyle Lowry side-and-trade, which we we might talk about a little bit later. Um, So yeah, they don't have a ton of front-court depth. Maybe the good thing is this forces them to be aggressive and upgrade that position sooner rather than later. And maybe that ends up like getting them a better player than they would have if they kind of like waited for the buyout market or whatever. This is bad. I still think, and I think you're right. that like, they're like built for the playoffs. I also think one of the important things is this is like a veteran team or led by two veterans that have like made deep playoff runs. And I don't believe in the like, oh, we're built for the playoffs. I just think this is a team where they don't, they don't need home court to have that like underlying psychological edge that I think some teams need, but we'll see, you know, remember Marquise Morris is out. And so they can't even really go small at center and just try to like blitz teams while he's out. Not good news. Okay. This is the next biggest star to get injured. And I don't think we need to talk about very long. Devin Booker tweaked his hammy. The Suns are making it seem pretty insignificant, which is obviously good if we've seen if you've seen how long it's taken James Harden to come back. And they're being super cautious because hammies are something that they can, if you come back at 85%, you can be back at zero pretty quick. So I'm actually going to ask a different question than normal with an injury. Doesn't really fucking matter that Devin Booker isn't there for the Suns because I don't think he's actually as important to this team as people pretend he is
1: yeah wow so
0: i like I, I, it's, it's a loaded. loaded question it's a loaded question yeah <laughs> does devin booker suck i don't think he sucks i just look i just you know he gets injured in the second quarter against golden state and like they keep playing he's not important is important to this team as like chris paul's hamstring or even like mikhail bridges hamstring fuck he might be I mean, I will say he's more important than DeAndre. But I think those two guys are like what make this team work.
1: I'll say this. First, I wholeheartedly agree with you that Chris Paul is the most important player on this team in terms of the short-term success. So, And so I'll also give you that maybe Booker's not as important as some people think, because certainly some people would say that he's the most important player on this team, right? They, they uh, don't
0: know They don't know what basketball is, in my yes, opinion. Yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's Chris Paul. We've talked about this before, though, but, like, I love Mikel Bridges. I think he's vital to their success. But I don't think that they have, like, like, as high a functioning offense as they do, if not for the defensive attention that Booker commands. Like, stats on off splits, metrics aside, I think that... Like, just having a guy that sometimes you have to double team uh, makes this offense flow a little smoother. So, like, ultimately, I'm not too worried, though, because it's not a serious injury and because they have a cushion if, if they lose a few more games. And they do have the pieces to, like, still function well without him. I agree. Like, they, sh- they should still be a playoff team without him. So I think they'll be fine. But I don't want to say that he like he's not important to them.
0: No, no. I mean, he's obviously important. He's one of their five best players. And whenever you lose one of your five best players and you're competing for a championship, that's not good. I just go with the Devin Booker thing. It's like, you know how you say like he commands a double team? I don't think Devin Booker actually commands double teams. Like one of the I – I think he's one of the more overrated offensive players in that he doesn't get to the rim. And guys that don't get to the rim don't really command nearly as much attention – unless they're like Steph Curry-level three-point shooters, he's really good in the mid-range. A team can live with a guy being really good in the mid-range because a guy being really good in the mid-range is still not as efficient as a guy being really good at the rim and being able to get there. But yeah, they're slightly better with him on the court, obviously. It's not much. It's like two and a half points per 100 possessions. And their defense gets you know three points better with him on the bench. I only ask the question that way just because I don't have an agenda against Devin Booker. I have an agenda against people that have decided that he is a superstar quality player. And I just, I don't see, a, I don't see how a guy can be a superstar. If the season that they get to play with Chris Paul, it's the highest scoring offensive environment in the history of the game, the most efficient short shooting environment in the history of the game. And his efficiency goes down that season. Like, I don't know, to me, that doesn't scream superstar.
1: Let's let let's let's move off. And further, but I I feel what you're saying.
0: The Suns will be fine, and Devin Booker will be fine. And when he's back there, they're better team. I just I think it's an injury that doesn't really. He could miss a playoff run, and I'd still pick them to win like a first and second round series. Probably that's what I'll say.
1: First round, I agree with you. Second round, I I would have to see who the opponent was and how hot they were and and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, there's yeah. still a pretty pretty dangerous team without him for sure. All
0: right, this next injury because we got to talk about everyone's favorite person to pick on in the postseason. I'm joking. Joe Harris just got ankle surgery. He was trying to rest rehab it and they decided they need to go in there. And I believe remove some loose bodies. I'm sure there's a lot of Americans out there that would like to have some of their loose body removed, but it's not a surgery like that. I want to ask you this, Joe Harris being out. Can the nets win a championship? If Joe Harris isn't back and effective if they don't get Kyrie back. That's can they win a championship period without Kyrie?
1: No, I don't think so. Or a Kyrie replacement, you know, like that, like they, they need to me uh, without Kyrie, it's a moot point. Anyway, Harden looks like he's declining. And even if he's got some left in the tank, I don't know if he's going to recover this year, you know, He, he might still be recovering. I just think this looks like, KD, a compromised Harden, and a s- scrap pieces, you know, a collection of scrap pieces. And like Harris is one of the best scrap pieces on the roster. And now now they lost a 46% three-point shooter. Like oh my god.
0: Yeah, I know. I just, shooting. I just, yeah, oh my no, god. Yeah. He's okay. This is this is what's actually, I mean, he's pretty significant loss. Yeah. Since the 2018-19 season, the past four seasons. He's shot 45.8% on threes. That's yep. like pre-KD. That's pre-James Harden. This guy isn't just, Ooh.
1: No, he's one of the three best three-point shooters in the league, no doubt. But I just don't think, I don't think that they have enough, uh, enough, period, to get past the best teams in the league without Kyrie. It, it, it's supposed to be a big three. It's not supposed to be a dynamic duo. And with Harden looking a little bit compromised, you know, it looks like a superstar, an all-star, and a bunch of, like, Borderline starters slash absolute non-starters. I don't believe in them without Kyrie. I, I, it's they're conceptually incomplete team without Kyrie. Sorry.
0: Yeah, Joe Harris, get back soon because when you can hit that many threes at that efficiency, it' gonna help. All right, sorry, Joe Harris, you are not that interesting. Yeah. Just, if he hits a here's the thing. If he hits some open threes in the playoffs, the thing is, people are going to be talking about how this is a brutal injury because the Nets would have maybe made the finals. True. Final injury update. Well, sort of final injury update. Brooke Lopez was trying to rest and rehab his back, and now he's getting back surgery. I will tell you, as someone that's had back injuries before, they are no joke. Hopefully, he comes back. I actually wanna I wanna ask you: Is Brook Lopez being out for an extended time actually a blessing in disguise for the Bucks because it makes them have to lean into Giannis at center?
1: That's an interesting uh, take. You know that that's an interesting proposition. Like, I, I think that they they're gonna miss his combination of rim protection and three point shooting. I, I was thinking that like they can replicate the three point shooting because they got Bobby Portis in in, in waiting, you know, ready to just kind of step in and, and, and space the floor at least as effectively as Lopez. And they can replace the rim protection because Giannis is probably a better rim protector and certainly a better overall defensive player, but it's the combination of floor spacing and rim protection that makes him instrumental to this team. But I do like Giannis getting some reps at the five. I, I, that, that is at least a silver lining.
0: Yeah. I, I think, I think he makes this team better because as much as like Giannis is a great rim protector, when you have Lopez out there who is a good rim protector, just standing there and putting both his arms up. And that then allows Giannis to kind of basically be like a roving help defender. Then it's just like, because it, that allows him to really defend the, defend the perimeter and help out in the paint. So, like, I think that's the best way to get the most out of Giannis's talent. I do think this, though, is helpful is that, like, if they run into a team that, like, feels like they can run Brooke Lopez off the court. And, you know, another thing is, like, he's, if he's coming back from back surgery, like, he might not be as good as what we have come accustomed to, especially this season. So, I think long-term, this doesn't really matter. But I do think it puts a ton of pressure on Giannis, and they're going to have to—they're going to have to consider losing games to keep Giannis fresh in a way that they wouldn't have had to if I think Lopez was healthy.
1: I think you're probably right. Yeah,
0: yeah, because center like bank people people think of center like what they don't realize like when you're banging with people like bumping into them and pushing and shoving that takes a lot of energy. You know, it's 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 high intensity without Mm -hmm. moving around.
1: I know. Whenever you look at these guys and, and guys like Christian Wood, Anthony Davis, Giannis, the question is always like, why don't they play the five full time? That would seem to be most effective. The answer almost invariably is because it hurts and it's difficult, and they need to preserve their body because they're the best player on the team. You know, like it's it's like it might make sense in terms of like a basketball simulation, but in reality, uh, it's hard enough to be a star player, and it's even harder to be a star player at the five spot, right? unless you're huge
0: yeah all right the everyone's favorite part of the show my favorite part of the show it is the zion williamson update or what i like to call it weight watchers um (laughs) man i'm mean fat shaming out here so zion he was cleared for full participation the pelicans were like we're gonna get him on the court ready to roll Now they're shutting the shit down because a quote, the foot is sore. They have no plans to do any re imaging, which is kind of like when there's a leak and you put a bucket and you underneath it and you say, no leak. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everything's fine. Yeah. Also, some pictures emerged of Zion in a red sweatsuit and he kind of looked like a gigantic tomato. (laughs) <laughs> so, let's let's spend thirty seconds each talking about Zion Williamson and that foot, the Pelicans, and maybe make one fat joke each. I'm gonna limit it to that.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm concerned, man. I'm concerned because, like, <clears throat> I'm concerned on the level of I would have to say that i don't believe that there's very much likelihood for this guy to be like a generational superstar you know maybe that's an overreaction but to have so much trouble staying on the floor at this point in his career and i might have harped on this point before but what concerns me is if he's not 285 pounds if he slimmed down to 250 pounds right is that even physically possible for him probably not but let's say it was I don't know what makes him special anymore. They, like, what makes him special is this combination of, like, vertical and relative lateral mobility and extreme girth, you know? If, if he loses that, then to me, he just looks like a, like a rotational – like, yeah, he's, he's a good passer. He, he, he's a good ball handler, but he's not, like, exceptional, you know, in those categories. Like, the, what, what makes him unique, what made him a guy that people looked at and said this is the number one pick in the draft is the weight – but it doesn't look like the way it's sustainable, so I think he's fucked, and I think the Pelicans are probably going to not have a franchise in New Orleans pretty soon. Like, I, like I, I'm DEFCON zero here, man.
0: Okay, okay. You, the 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 warheads have been launched. They've landed. Society has crumbled. Society That's where crumbled. society. Okay, cool. So we're just like it's like Fallout Four, Fallout Three, one of the Fallout games. I'm here in I'm DC, like so it's like Fallout Three for me. Um, hey. I'm just going to keep it simple. Zion is going to be a Pelican for a while because they have to offer him the extension. They have no choice. And he basically has to accept it because he has no op. Like no one is going to give him that contract or anywhere close if he can't stay healthy. And when you have a body like his, you can put together one full healthy season and no one is going to believe that that's like, oh, well, like Zion finally figured it out. It's just been too much. I feel bad. He's really exciting. He doesn't seem like a bad guy, but it really feels to me like he needs to get away from his family. He needs to like call up his agent and be like, get my family out of here. Get me adults that actually have my best professional interests as their priority not my parents and my family that have like my best emotional interests or whatever. I just feel like there's something going on because whenever there's a player where you hear about the family constantly coming up, that's never a good sign. That's never a good sign. And I'm not saying like, you know, people's family being involved is bad, but it's like when they're involved in like the business of you being a professional athlete, when they're not, when they didn't grow up in that, when that's not like their actual forte, I just, do not think that's a good thing because it means you're getting advice from people that don't know really what the fuck they're talking about. I need to give a shout out to Oliver. He listened to the podcast and he said, and we can do this maybe next week. He says he can give us a rundown of all of the restaurants that Zion is frequenting. And really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he actually has insider information, but uh, I went to university with him in new Orleans family from New Orleans, big Pelicans fan, uh, or as big a Pelicans fan as you can be. So we might need to bring him on the show and have him give us a a rundown of what is is keeping Zion's weight in the 300s. Okay, our final subject before we get to the Rockets roundup. Tampering. What is it good for? Landing the players you want and getting minimal punishment. Okay, if you've been paying attention to, I guess, kind of small details in NBA news cycle, you'll have learned that the Bulls and Heat have both been fined. Future second-round picks, whenever they show up, because both of them have traded away a lot of their picks, because they tampered and broke the rules when and contacted Lonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry early, and that's how they got those deals just done. Now I'll say this, NBA, I feel like punishing a team for getting really good players with no future second round pick, which you can basically acquire from another team for a bench player, is not a punishment. (laughs) It almost feels like they're telling teams, please tamper. What do you think?
1: It reminds me of like, one of those uh, stereotypical ineffectual like new age parents, you know, like uh, <laughs> punishing a punishing child, right? It's like, well, you, you only get candy six nights this week, Buster, you know? And like uh, only only four hours a night of video games for you. Like it's it's such a non-punishment dude. It, it, it's It's kind of annoying. Now, on the other hand, I'm not really all that concerned about tampering, to be completely honest yeah. with you. Yeah, like, I, I don't care. Like, th- these guys, they're going to go where they want. And ultimately, it, it, it's not really – you can't really moderate this because guys are going to talk. They have cell phones. They're allowed to talk to each other. You know, Kyle Lowry and Eric Spolster are allowed to text. Like, there's no rules against that. So I, I, I think it's it's not enforceable. Uh, but if, if you want to try to enforce it, this is a complete non-punishment because e- either of these teams would have made this deal – with the addition of an uh, unprotected second round pick, Like that's, it's laughable, you know? I know but, it's, yeah. It's
0: <laughs> it's foolish. They're both side and trades. Look, I I don't know why the NBA gives a shit about this. I don't know why they're doing this. It's all, it's all theater. It's all optics. But anyone with a brain, the only people that hear this news and read it and care about it are people that know enough about the NBA to know that this is a non-punishment, right? So you're you're doing like you're doing this for the optics, but the only people that are seeing this know that what you're doing is bullshit. So it's like it's not it's it it really solves no purpose outside of someone called the New Orleans Pelicans really felt like they had a chance at Kyle Lowry and they didn't get him. And they were really upset that when they couldn't get him that that, Lonzo Ball had already agreed to a contract with the Bulls. Right, like that's really yeah. what it feels like. Um, yeah. sorry to pile on pelicans, but um <laughs> like I, I don't get it. Tampering is literally what makes the NBA entertaining. They have they had a show on ESPN, a show that was like as soon as free agency started, they had a show and they're covering it, and they're like, Okay, and then as soon as free agency starts, a second, a minute later, this is Adrian Molzhanowski and Guys, guess what? This guy just signed there, this sign-in trade, and they're sending three picks and two players. And you're like, so man, they like they figured out like a sign-in trade with five different players and two different teams in a second. These NBA GMs are they're wizards. Yeah. What like why are they doing this? They should just not have tampering. And if you don't want tampering, like you said, don't this is not even a slap on the wrist. This is like a warm hug. Right, like oh, like you burned down the house. Here's a hug. I know you feel so bad. That's what this is. Like what the this isn't a punishment. This is a hug. Yeah. Okay. NBA. Get your shit together, or just just don't care about the stuff that no one cares about. Now let's move into the Rockets roundup. We're gonna keep this to six minutes. Why six minutes? Because the Rockets are on a six-game win streak, which makes them yes, you heard this. Makes them the hottest team in the NBA. The league's Hold on. longest win streak. Matter of fact, they are the first team in any major North American sports league to lose 16 or 15 consecutive games and then follow it up with a win streak of six or more. They went from worst to first. Not in the standings, but in terms of win streaks. So
1: when you say that they're the hottest team in the NBA, you mean best team in the NBA, right? It's well, I mean... Synonymous.
0: I don't know. It's hard to call a team like the best team in the NBA when they like five of their wins are against the Magic, the Thunder, the Pelicans Pelicans with some injuries. Uh, Look, they're not the best team in the NBA, but I think this turnaround has been a lot of fun. It's, It's very much a it's a roller coaster ride. <laughs> yeah, it's listen, a roller coaster ride.
1: Listen, man, I, I'm gonna hit the timer now. You start introducing the topics, and uh, we'll get going. What do you think?
0: All right, Rockets, All right. you need to start your Schengen, because Alper and Shengun needs to play more. Tell me why he's not, and tell me why that's a mistake.
1: Well, I do think that part of the reason why he's not might just be the tendency towards fouls, right? Like he he's he's very foul prone right now. And you can't play a guy if he fouls out. And if he was playing, you know, 36 minutes a night, I think he would foul out a lot. Not to mention he would get gas. I do think he could be playing more than he plays, though. The kid is really exciting, man. He He's almost prodigious uh, in terms of basketball IQ, in my opinion. I, I really think, like, his ability to read the floor is extremely rare in a big band. He needs to work on the fouls. And, and I think he will. You know, this is a problem that a lot of rookie bigs come in with and, and, and they figure out eventually.
0: Look, my, I took, my brother is a big Shangoon fan, and he texted me about the fouls last night. And I said, bro, when you're playing 16 minutes a game, have at it. Like, if he knows he's not going to be out there for 32 minutes, he's not going to not try to foul. The guy gets positioned, he gets to the rim, he just hacks him. Like, that's good basketball if you know you're not playing a lot. So that, they need to play him more so he learns how to not foul.
1: I agree. I agree. That's that that's the right way to look at it. Yeah.
0: Why more? Silas, trust me. It will save your job. Okay, next topic. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. Are they the problem? Cuz both of them basically haven't played they haven't played together and they haven't played much over this win streak. Are they the problem?
1: KBJ played what? Like three games over the over the win streak, I think. He, he yeah. he's been involved a little bit, but Yes, I think, that, I think that they were a large part of the problem. So it, it's weird because Silas ditched the uh, dual big lines right at the exact same time that Jalen Green got hurt, right? Like that Bulls game was the first game they played with Tate at the four, and Green got injured in the middle of his best quarter of the season. So strange, and it's hard to call it. But yeah, man, I mean, y- y- when you're starting off guard is shooting 38% from the field and 27% from deep, on pretty good volume there's a decent chance that he's part of the problem right and uh, additionally i don't think that him and kevin porter jr are a very good fit as a backcourt because i think that kevin porter jr is a shooting guard slash uh, even a small forward you know so yeah i i don't think it's any coincidence that that they've both been slightly unavailable or altogether unavailable and the rockets have started winning games
0: yeah don't hire or not don't hire if your coach wants to play like five out, spread, pick, and roll. Don't have five guys that really can't shoot. Um, KPJ Jalen Green. Jalen Green, I think, will be able to shoot, can't shoot right now. Kevin Porter Jr., I don't think we'll ever really be able to shoot at, at a level that you would want. Of course, they're part of the problem, but that's kind of the point. They're young. You want them to be part of the problem, so they're part of the solution in five years. Okay. This is my hypothetical. If the Rockets had John Wall and it was him, Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, Garrison Matthews, and someone else out there, Jay, Sean, they, T- Jay Sean Tate, sure. And they gave spot minutes to Kevin Jr. and Green, have him come off the bench, keep him with the starters when they're hot. Could they be a 31 team? Could that team have been a 31 team this year?
1: hard yes in my opinion uh the, the the reason I really made a point to bring in Tate is because I really think Tate's a, a, a winning player like he's a player that's yeah. ready to contribute to winning basketball now yeah um so yeah I think the answer is yes I mean Christian Wood for as much as like I sort of want to see him traded because I think he's a bit of a defensive tweener and he poses some issues for, for the team he is like a top 10 offensive center can we agree on that
0: He's around there. I don't know if he's for sure in there just because he has his passing limitations like cannot be overstated and you can't give him the ball in the post and have him like consistently get points that way, but he's right there. Like I would say if you say, Oh, he's the eighth best. Sure. If he's the 12th best. Sure. Like he's in that neighborhood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you couple that with the fact that like, John Wall, for for, one thing I will say is that it's interesting that people speculate about John Wall and seem to almost forget that last year John Wall played a lot and the team was horrible. Like, I I don't think John Wall is like gonna rack up wins here, but there's enough talent like Eric Gordon's still very effective. Jay Sean Tate's a great two way player. Garrison Matthews is one of the best players in the league. I think we can all agree on that. Jokes aside, he's, he's an excellent floor spacer and a clutch shooter. Yeah, I think it's a 30 win team.
0: Yeah. Look, I'll say this. John Wall is not an all-star anymore, but I'll tell you this. John Wall is better right this moment at basketball. If he was given like a full training camp to like get ready than Kevin Porter jr. Right. Like he can run an NBA offense. He's really good in the pick and roll. And like, I know rockets fans are kind of like, I can't believe wall wants to come in and start. He fucking averaged 20 points a game last year. Like he's better than both those guys right now. He won't be in three years. He won't be, Maybe by the end of the season, but right now he is. And that's why, of course, when Wall comes back, he's like, I want to start because shit sure I deserve to start on this team.
1: No, no arguments here. We got 10 seconds left. I think, I think we'll just call it.
0: Whew. All right.
1: Rockets round up, baby.
0: Rockets round up. They're going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets. They might have already played the Brooklyn Nets by the time this pod goes up. And if they win that game, they'll extend their win streak to seven. And... And I guarantee at one point, Kenyon Martin Jr. will dangle his testicles in James Harden's face and say, thanks for all those picks. (laughs) All right. Now we're going to move into the fun part, the fun part of our podcast. We're going to pull up and pull up some questions, ask each other, and just get really deep into the nitty gritty of the NBA. If you stuck around for the Rockets Roundup and you're a Rockets fan, you should stick around for this so you can learn about the other teams so when the Rockets play them, you'll go shit. We have no chance, or shit. We have a chance to maybe win a game. All right. <laughs> um,
1: Rarely, but occasionally.
0: Do you think you want me to start out, or do you want to start out? Yeah,
1: you start out. Let's we'll go back and forth.
0: Okay, I'm going to start out with my less good one. I think I'm a Wizards fan. If you could see the video, I'm wearing a Washington Bullets hat. And the Wizards have been a pleasant surprise. I'm not complaining about how they've played. Their records better than they've actually played in their talent level. But like, hey, this team being a pretty solid playoff team is great. And they're doing it without Bradley Beal really being Bradley Beal. And my question is, James, should we start being concerned about Bradley Beal? Because he is shooting 26% on three-pointers. And he's taking six a game. This is a guy who's a career 37% three-point shooter over the past four seasons where he's been kind of the focal point of the offense. That was right when John Wall started getting hurt. He's been at 35% on seven attempts a game. Should we be concerned about this? Because you know we're, t- we're a quarter of the way through the season and he's hitting a quarter of his three-pointers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could be concerned, right? So there, to me, when you look at like what has changed between last season and this season, the answer is obviously a whole lot in Washington. The two big things would be, obviously, the Russell Westbrook trade and the coaching change, right? I think that a lot of people might have intuitively assumed that Beal's numbers are going to improve without Russ. But I think the two factors actually work in tandem is a lot of what's going on. So like, I've never been high on Scotty Brooks as a coach, to be completely honest. I, I always thought he like, he very, runs a very rudimentary offense. He always coaches a team with two stars and it's always just your turn, my turn, you know? And uh, there was a lot of that in Washington last year. It was like, we're going to run a Russ possession. We're going to run a Beal possession, wash, rinse, repeat. Right. This year, this Wizards offense, it it looks a little more uh, nuanced. I I really like what Wes Unsell Jr. is doing with his team. And maybe it's a little more egalitarian. And and maybe as a result of that, the team in general is playing better, but Beal is struggling to get into his bag a little. It doesn't really explain the the poor shooting efficiency, except for that maybe he's just a little bit out of rhythm because he actually has to play basketball as if it's a team sport. And he's not used to it, you know, and, that, and that's not a knock on Beal. It's a knock on Scotty Brooks, but maybe, maybe he's just adjusting his style. Maybe, maybe it's going to turn around as the season progresses. The, the, the dip in three-point efficiency or accuracy is definitely absolutely concerning, but there are explanatory factors that like justify why maybe it's happening. But I'm sure you've watched a lot more Wizards than I have. So I've, I've watched about two games. What's your take?
0: I mean, I, if you look at like the offensive environment, you would think, Beals three-point shooting is what would improve. They're whipping the ball around, they have multiple guys that teams have to be kind of worried about either on the perimeter or in the pick and roll or attacking like a Dinwiddie. So you would think that like he would be able to get like a fair amount of like rhythm threes. I just think he had a bad 21 game stretch. Maybe the new ball he's not super comfortable with. You know, he's not last season he was incredible from 3 to 10 feet, right? he hit 53% of his shots from three to 10 feet from the rim. This season, he's at 38%. For his career, he's at 43%. So we probably should have expected his field goal percentage to go down a little bit just because he had a career year from uh, that range. But like everything else looks like within, it's like basically outside three to 10 feet and then three pointers, he's just way below his career marks. And that kind of sounds to me like people talk about like the floater in that three to 10 foot range right? And the three pointer, those are shots where like touch and feel, I feel like are probably a bit more important. Maybe he's just one of these guys who's really struggling with the new, with the new ball and the feel of it. I, you just have to assume like he got, like, I think this team is better than it was last year. I think their coaching is better than it was last year. I think Dinwiddie is a really good playmaker. And remember like Beal was awesome without Westbrook the season before last year. I I have to imagine we can't be worried because the only thing to really be worried about is like he's missing the in the two areas where he takes the most shots throughout his like you know the last his recent career, and you just can't imagine he's gonna randomly be just as good at those other places and then suddenly be bad at these.
1: Yeah, another thing that does occur to me though when I think about it a little bit more is Spencer Dimwitty is a very different style of player than Russ. Like, Russ is not actually, like, he, he's a sufficient passer. He passes with enough frequency and enough accuracy, right? Like, Dinwiddie is actually much less inclined to create for others. It's just that he's also a lower usage player, right? Like, it, he he doesn't mind conceding to Beal, but maybe Beal grew a little bit used to, to those Westbrook times and, like, like, was feasting on possessions where, Russ ran the pick and roll and that created a little bit of space for him. Right. And maybe now he's having a little more trouble playing alongside another guy that likes to call his own number first.
0: I mean, there's, that's a possibility. I just, I just think back to like 2019, 20, the season before Westbrook got there, Bradley Beal averaged 30 points a game and he was the primary like ball handler. He was like the primary, he was the offense. Right. And he was obviously 30 points. Did you know 30 points per game in the NBA is, is a pretty, pretty impressive, good thing to be able to do. Um, that That's to me why, like, I, I just – I have to assume it's bad shooting luck and he's not perfectly comfortable with the ball. Like, right? Like, because – Yeah. They're just It's just so weird. Um, and I, it's kind of my hope for the Wizards is that, like, they can stay. Everyone else stays basically where they're at and plays as well as they have been. And Beal starts being Bradley Beal for the last three-fourths of the season. And then, you know, the Wizards are probably the fifth, sixth. They're no worse than the seventh-best team in the East, if that's the case, right?
1: Oh, you're being modest, man. They, they could be the, the fourth-best
0: team in the East. You, you, we say these things. We say these things, and I want to believe these things. But unfortunately, I've been a Wizards fan for too long. And yeah. so when you become a Wizards fan for a long time, you actually it's one of the amazing things is you become very rational. And I go, well, there can't be that much better than Charlotte. I can't imagine there will be that much better than Boston. Atlanta, I think, will kind of get their shit together. Philadelphia's 12 and 11. They probably will be a bit like, you know, there's just there's there's some good teams See, in the East.
1: Look, I think that they have a very real chance to be better than any of those teams. Besides the Hawks. For me, the Hawks are the team that I look at, and I'm like, that's probably a better team than the Wizards. But, like, the Hornets, man, maybe we got wrapped up in the fact that they're very exciting. They have a very yeah. nice, young nucleus. But, like, maybe they're not ready to, to, to really hang with the big boys, right? Look, Philly is in such disarray with, with the Simmons situation, and, and Bede is always, like, a major injury away from being dumb for the year. You know? Uh, who? What was the other team you said?
0: There's a lot of them. <laughs> Boston, Boston, Boston. Boston. Boston man B- B- buck boston i like yeah. hearing buck boston that's 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 always a good thing to hear
1: boston is in need of a major overhaul in my opinion or like like they, like i think they have to entertain trading jalen brown for a player that fits with tatum like th- that team has big problems in my opinion or at least Marcus smart for like another offensive creator
0: i'm not arguing with that i just think all of those teams on aggregate probably their their starting five has more talent than the Wizards' starting five that's it maybe so that's like, that's kind of my point basically being is that's like the wizards, they could have a bad week and all of a sudden they're back with those guys, those teams. And then you're going, okay, like they're gonna have to be better than that. That's kind of where I'm getting that. Yeah. All right. What's your pull up J? All
1: right. So my first pull up J is
0: pull up J from J
1: pull up J from J. That's right. Yeah. This, this is my midi. Uh, I like dividing them up that way. I think that was your mid-range uh, pull-up. So the Miami Heat are a team that I think we both agreed had a whole lot of potential coming into the season, like like sleeping NBA contenders. So far, they're uh, 14 wins, 10 losses, which is a pretty uninspiring record, right? They're 7th in offensive rating, 12th in defensive rating. What is What, if anything, is holding this team back, do you think? And particularly why the mediocre defensive rating when this roster looks like a strong defensive roster
0: that's a good question They're seventh in net rating so you know if we go think about seventh in net rating that means fourth in net rating probably in the eastern conference right now so because like you know i think i would just say this they're seventh in net rating let's think about the three teams in the west that we, we knew we going to probably be ahead of them jazz or not, I I didn't expect Golden State, but Jazz, Golden State, Suns, right? That that's not they're not better than those teams. I mean, maybe some people would say the Jazz, but like those those three teams are good. That means they're fourth in the East. The Bulls have been better than people expected on defense. And you know, but they have the players where you could you could have it wasn't crazy to think they'd be good. Brooklyn is Brooklyn, right? And then who else is who else is ahead of them in net rating, right? Like I think they're a team that's had injuries and has the defense been as good as I would have expected no this was kind of the the problem I saw with this team is that they're older they're reliant on Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo to be their defense because everyone else on that roster really isn't I mean I guess P.J. Tucker but like they're not, they're really relying on those three guys to have an elite defense. And like, as much as people want to dick ride Tyler hero for having like a hot streak on jumpers, that guy's a serious defensive liability. Duncan Robinson has forgot how to shoot threes. I think honestly, considering the injuries and all that stuff, being seventh and being behind the nets, the bucks, the bulls, the three teams in the West in net rating, the right word, the right word makes sense. And, you know, just like a little bit better luck in like close possession games. They're 15 and nine, maybe 16 and eight. And then they're like basically have the same record as the Bulls.
1: Yeah. All right. So then let me pose the question this way. As the season wears on, would you expect this team's stock to, to rise, fall or stagnate?
0: I think they're going to be one of those teams where it's going to remain stagnant, but it's going to be like capitalism. It's going to be up and down, right? Like you're going to have to ride the dip because I just think with the injuries and the age and like scheduling, they're going to be one of these teams where like when everything is clicking, like they're they're in playoff mode, they're going to look amazing. And then when they, they'll kind of take their foot off the gas, recharge, and then they'll come back down and we'll be like, what's wrong with the heat? They just have that vibe to me as a team. And you can kind of do that when you have a coach like Spolstra, and you have a roster like this that's not super deep and their elite defense is reliant on three guys and two of which are older and one of which is out with a thumb injury for at least two months
1: fair enough yeah good answer i just i think i just the way they started the year out it made me think yeah like oh this team is is really legit and you start looking at what they had on paper it's like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero. Like, this is a dangerous team. And then I, I think I kind of woke up yesterday and looked, and, oh, my God, they're 14 and 10. Like, they're actually not that great. So, you know, it kind of just surprised me a little bit.
0: Yeah, and let's go take a look at their uh, simple rating system. Um, their seventh and simple rating system, um, their strength of schedule has been relatively average. Look, like, they're a solid team they play at like a really slow pace, which probably suits them. They're good. But like, let's be real here outside of the Suns, the jazz and the warriors, no team in the East has played like a championship contender. Yeah. And that means that's like, that's kind of, that's perfect for the heat to surprise.
1: Yeah, that's true. Give me, give me your next, uh, your next pull up.
0: All right. This one is from deep might even be from half court. It's from the logo. How would the Lakers be doing if they had just ran back last year's roster? And I say this because people act like last season, the Lakers were bad because they had the seventh seed. The Lakers were really good. They were like right there with Utah. And then LeBron and AD started getting injured and they fell off. And as any team would, that loses their two best players and is also just has two really excellent players. So I'm going to, before I get into this thing, I literally like wrote an actual like article. Um, Before I get into that, I want to get your feeling. What do you think? Do you think they would have been better? And let me just give you the players from the 2020, 21 Lakers that I kind of view as being. The guys that they lost to get Russell Westbrook, because I really feel like he's the, the main changer. They lost Alex Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and Kyle Kuzma. Three of those guys are traded out to get Russell Westbrook. And two of those guys, I kind of feel like they didn't work very hard to retain because they went out and got Westbrook. Do you think those guys are better than one Russell Westbrook? And don't, and don't, and people listening, don't be like, well, Melo's been good. You know what? Melo's making like $0 in NBA terms. They probably could have added him if they wanted to anyways.
1: Yeah, so you're asking me how, how they would be. I look at their depth chart from last season, and I don't know, man. I, I Okay, can we take it as an assumption that Anthony Davis would still be shooting as poorly as as he has so far this year? Like with these thought yeah. experiments, it, it, it's difficult. Let's take it as an assumption that he would be, hey? Sure, why not? All right, well, then I don't think they'd be that great, right? With Montrezl Harrell, a complete non-shooter at the five. AD, apparently a complete non-shooter at the four. Kuzma, a, a mediocre shooter at the three. Like, the, the spacing would have been an issue. Katavius uh, Caldwell-Pope would have been the only real plus shooter in the starting lineup. So I don't think – I think that they recognized that they had to make some moves with their roster, and, and, and I think that that was smart. I mean, what I'm really stuck on is they should have taken the Buddy Heel trade. Like, that that, that to me is what they should have done. Rather than just run it back, I, I, I would have absolutely acquired one of the best three-point shooters in the league.
0: You know, I think people are tr- overthinking this or underthinking this, or just thinking about this, wrong. The Lakers were the best fucking defensive team in the league last year. And they got rid of Alex Caruso, excellent defender. Kentavious Tallwell-Pope. Good defender. Kuzma, not an amazing defender, but he's he's gotten pretty good on that end. And like I'm gonna be real, he can defend multiple positions, which even if you're not great at defense, really makes you valuable because it allows teams to be more creative. Montres Harrell, sure, but he's a bench player. Like you getting him in the pick and roll off the bench with, I don't know, like you Rondo or Dennis Schroeder, like. Those are minutes that you can win against a second unit when you have those guys. And like winning minutes is actually what matters. The Lakers said, Oh, our offense wasn't that great. Your offense wasn't that great when you won a championship, but you know, what was your defense. They said, let's make our defense worse substantially. And let's hope this improves our offense. Like they just did what the New York Knicks did this offseason. And how the fuck did that work out for the Knicks? If you're good at something, Yeah, it's like if you're really good at something, you're elite at something, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul situation. If you're elite at something, stay elite at that the best you can and see if you can't make marginal upgrades. Because at the end of the day, you're winning a championship because you can run LeBron James pick and roll a million times with Anthony Davis. And that right there is like basically an elite offense. You factor that in with an elite defense, you get out in transition, you get some easy buckets. Like they had the formula, they just decided they needed to. Blow it up and get Russell Westbrook.
1: Let, let me say two things about it. First of all, they absolutely blew it by letting Alex Caruso go. Like, there's no, yeah, there's no question that they could have used Caruso. He's a good three point shooter and, and he's an elite defender. Like, it's ridiculous. It's malpractice that, that, that they just let Alex Caruso walk.
0: But they kept uh, tailing Horton Tucker.
1: <laughs> yeah, who's like not ready seemingly at all. Uh, in regards to, If my only two options are run it back or blow it up to Russell Westbrook, I'm taking run it back for sure. So I I agree with you to that extent. They would have been better off with almost the exact same roster than they are currently. Uh, I just think that the healed route was the best route.
0: Yeah, because it also, I think, so one of the, so I'm just going to go into what I wrote about, it was titled what the Lakers decision to bring in Russell Westbrook cost them. So I'm going to keep this very simple. In 2021-22, the combined wins above replacement of Alex Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, Montrezl Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, a few days ago, I'm sure it's a bit higher now, was like six and a half wins. The combined wins above replacement for Russell Westbrook this season has been 0.5 wins above replacement. Granted, it's more valuable to get one win from one player than it is to get one win from five players. But this is a six win difference. And so I just looked at last year when I did this through 23 games, the Lakers are 12 and 11 through 20 or 12 and 11 through 23 games. And if they had the plus six wins from that group of players over what Westbrook's produced, they would be 18 and five, which would be solidly the third best record in league. And here's the thing: last season through twenty-three games, the Lakers were seventeen and six. Like, I'm not out here trying to like be like math and VORP and shit like explains everything. But like, you kind of just think about it's like, look, they lost like six wins of value, and they're now six wins worse than what they were last year with that team. It's like it's not a complicated thing to come come to. It's not a stretch. Now, I did want to defend them in that, like, Westbrook last season was worth eight and a half wins above replacement. And that group of players was only worth 11. So I understand, like, if you're j- just thinking about this from like wins above replacement, getting eight and a half wins from just Russell Westbrook is more valuable for your team than getting 11 wins from all of those guys. Or it's about even, let's say. The problem is, is that like, that just ignores, like everyone was like, well, the fit probably wasn't that good. It also ignores, if you look at the age of all the players they got rid of, they're all still in their prime. Westbrook is out of his prime. So you can just kind of bake into any projection system. That's going to say wins above replacement are going to go down for Westbrook for this group. It's probably going to stay the same or potentially go up, right? There's a much greater chance it improves opposed to with Westbrook. There's almost a guarantee it gets worse when you factor in fit and age. I just basically think that like the Lakers, if they had ran it back would be, have like the same record as the Utah jazz.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. They, they, uh they screwed the pooch, man. They really did. Like it's uh it's ugly. I mean, just intuitively, we all knew pretty much risk. immediately that, that Russell Westbrook and LeBron James aren't a good fit. Like, the word on LeBron for his pretty much entire career has been to maximize LeBron. You surround him with shooting and let him cook. And so they Russ is like the least effective LeBron teammate imaginable almost because he's only effective with the ball in his hands. So it just, it makes sense that it's not working and there's no reason to, to expect that it's going to work really
0: yeah. It's, it's weird to me because one of the things that people are like, Oh, like LeBron can figure all this stuff out. And I'm like, yeah, LeBron can, but here's the thing, LeBron figuring out how to make Russell Westbrook not be a, a massive negative for the team means he has to basically be a floor spacer. And that's not the best use of LeBron James, right? Like, and then it's also, you know, it doesn't get the best out of Anthony Davis, and so it's like, you brought in this one guy who is clearly in decline and got rid of a bunch of players that kind of like fit around them a bit better. I'm not saying they were perfect fit around them better. It's like, what are you like? I think the plan was, as they said, we need another star. And they said, Russell Westbrook's a big name. And I was just go, yeah, but Russell Westbrook isn't a fucking star anymore. Like, yeah. He's a big name. He's a big, his name is big, but like, I'm sorry, like, yeah, he led the league in assists, but a dude running, like, a usage rate that he did last year, like, averaging, I think, like, a smidge under 20 points isn't a good sign.
1: No, yeah, no, that's right.
0: All right, I'm done making fun of the Lakers. But Lakers fans, just remember, you had a good thing, and this is what happens when you mess up a good thing because you want a great thing. A lot of times, it doesn't end up the way, it doesn't end up great.
1: Before we get off it, it's it's just funny because isn't this so like the Lakers cycle? Like they had a good thing <laughs> with Shaq, they had a good thing with Shaq and Kobe, right? They won a bunch of championships. And then it looked like it was growing stale. So they brought in Carl Malone and Gary Payton, and it didn't work. Then they had a good thing going with Kobe and Pau Gasol. They won a couple of championships. It looked like it was starting to get stale. So they brought in Wow, I just drew a blank. Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. And 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 that didn't work.
0: And right? Mike D'Antoni as coach.
1: And Mike D'Antoni for some stupid reason, yeah. And so and here we are again. As soon as the Lakers, like the Lakers, they build a championship core, they win a championship or more. And then when it looks like they don't have a whole lot more championships left in that core, they they desperately bring in a couple of veterans that absolutely don't fit, and they have the worst season yet, and then they blow it up, right? Like that's 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 the Lakers cycle.
0: You know. We've talked about this before, but when the pressure is to always win championships, it's really hard to stand pat, even if it's like it's it basically unless you win a championship, it's hard to stand pat because yeah. the assumption is if you didn't win a championship, you need to do more.
1: Yeah. But that's the burden of, you know, like being the LA team and like, like they have so many built-in advantages that, that they need to have at least some disadvantage, you
0: know, like people say they have a bunch of built-in advantages and that's slightly true, but I will say they are one of the few teams and not to like, say the Lakers don't have advantages, but they're one of the few teams where the people that own the team, their only asset and their money is coming exclusively from the team. So like people are like, Oh, they can just spend as much money as they want. Sure. But like, Go tell a really rich person that, like, hey, you can't buy a condo in Barbados this year because you're paying the luxury tax. Like, it, that's not the case for most of these NBA ownership groups, but that is the case for the Lakers, where it's, it's not just an investment in an asset. It's also their piggy bank.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Right. I guess I, I more so mean in terms of, like, the market is attractive and the yeah, brand is yeah. attractive, like, for elite players. But, yeah, no, that, that is interesting. Yeah, uh, why, why don't I move on to my 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 deep ball, uh, yes. which is about a team with significantly less market advantage than the Lakers.
0: So, I don't know. Well,
1: hey, look, uh, I've never been to either city, so I can't really comment. But we're we're gonna talk about the
0: Denver Nuggets. So I will it, say this: as someone that's been to both cities, I would a million percent rather live in Denver than fucking LA. A million percent.
1: Yeah, but, you know, like, that, that comes down to personal. Like, you're, you're not trying to build the same kind of brand as uh, LeBron James, you know? Like, That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the Nuggets came into this season knowing that they weren't going to have Jamal Murray, right? That, that was known already. That's fine. But then Michael Porter Jr. came out shocking brick after brick. And now it looks like he's out for probably almost definitely the rest of the season short term, it's probably not that big a deal because they knew they weren't going to have Murray this year and without Murray, they weren't likely to play for the championship anyway. But when you start thinking about this team's long-term outlook, I start getting concerned. Michael Porter Jr., there's no real reason to believe that he's not going to be extremely injury-prone for the rest of his playing career. You and I both loved the contract. We, we both said this is an excellent contract and, and, and the Nuggets made the right decision. But I'm starting to wonder if those pre-draft medicals were accurate and if this guy's back is just irreversibly uh repaired uh damaged you know and there's no guarantees that Jamal Murray a player who somewhat relied on quickness and explosiveness is going to come back the same Jamal Murray there's some reason because he's extremely skilled so hopefully it'll translate but we don't know so my question is like this Nuggets team that we both agreed had the makings of a potential future dynasty. Are they fucked like for the future?
0: I'll say this. Nikola Jokic. Unfucks any team, any franchise, what he's done the past two seasons. If you go look at like any credible metrics, he's doing peak LeBron James first time around in Cleveland shit. Like, he's not getting the props he deserves because like we said, the nuggets are in a big market. Like we said, the nuggets have so many injuries that like you can't reasonably assume for them to compete because one thing people forget is they're like, Oh, well, you know, like, you know, that injuries aren't an excuse. No injuries are a big excuse because guess what happens in a salary cap sport? Uh, You can't just add like the, not only are the nuggets lo- missing their two best players, they're also missing the ability to spend like, 50 million plus on players to like offset those injuries. Right. So like effectively the nuggets are running out a team, whatever their salary cap situation is right now, it's like 60 million or I guess the extension doesn't count, but it's like over 30 million less than what they're actually, their technical salary cap is. So they're basically spending as much as the Oklahoma city thunder. Right. Um, In like terms of like what they're getting on on court production. I don't think you can beat, Bucked if you have Nikola Jokic just because, like I said, he is the best player in the world right now. And he's only gotten better from last season. And there's a real chance that we're looking at one of the five greatest basketball players of all time. I know like it's early, but like he has been so good and he's doing it over an extended period of time. He's right in his prime. He's got a skill set that I think ages tremendously well because it's like he's like, I'm big and skilled. And big and skilled don't age the same way as I can jump and I can move. So they're not completely fucked. And it's just, it comes down to do these guys come back and what level do they come back at? And, but as those guys come back and they're 90% of what we think they can be, you still have Jokic. You're never fucked. You can't be fucked with Jokic. That's the end of this. My take is big honey is the cure-all.
1: So yeah, I guess fucked is, is relative to expectations too, because like you're right. So far as so long as they have Nikola Jokic, they'll be able to field a competitive product. He's that good, right? He's 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 in that tier of player that's like you're going to be good if you have him. But I guess I mean, like, in terms of being a potential dynasty, they are going to need foundational pieces outside yeah. of Jokic, right? So yeah, like if if Murray is 75% and Porter is a guy that just you can assume is never going to play a full season, they might not reach the levels that, like, you know, people hope
0: they will. Yeah. No. I, in terms of dynasty. That's such a high bar. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, those fucking scrubs. They didn't win three straight. I still think that they have a good chance of winning a championship, one. But it's, it's just hard to tell. It's like, because we're, we're trying to predict how does human beings recover from bad injury? (laughs) Like, Yeah, yeah, we have no fucking clue. Like we've gotten a lot better at that stuff. You know, maybe Porter, this nerve issue is, he comes back, they figure out a way to manage his minutes, manage his stuff so he can be healthy into the playoffs and stuff like that. So maybe you're paying a guy a lot of money to play 28 minutes, but when he's out there, he's fucking 50, 40, 90, and it's okay right? Maybe Murray comes back and he's pretty much the same player. Maybe he's even a little bit better and then all of a sudden you go, okay, yeah, like this team is fucking loaded. <laughs> like they're they're back and better than ever. And I guess the only, the one nice thing is like, you know, with Porter out, like Murray's, people were talking about Murray maybe being able to come back this season. Now you don't even have to worry about that. And I think yeah. that's might be good for his long-term health and, you know, all that stuff. But Yes, the dynasty. You you've seen Back to the Future, you know when there's like the picture and there's, like family members are slowly fading away. Well, like so, I had like a picture of like the Nuggets <laughs> dynasty with like four championships and like two to three of them have like really faded. And are like, I love
1: oh. that. Yeah, yeah, like
0: that's that's so. Yes, the dynasty looks fucked, but I still think they have like a chance at one because you have Jokic and like maybe these guys are never healthy. Maybe they're never the same, but like maybe they're healthy and good for one season and Jokic is Jokic. Let
1: let me put one more bullet in your armor there a little bit before we uh, wrap it up. Nikola Jokic is a uh, free agent heading into the 2023-24 season, I believe. If Porter Jr. hasn't gotten back on track and Jamal Murray doesn't look the same, is he not a flight risk?
0: Uh, No, for two reasons. This guy's from what I understand more rural serbia so he's not someone that like i think has like a massive desire to be in like a big market so this is also very important the dude allegedly from what i've heard if he wasn't a professional basketball player would be a rancher and just he loves horses and I think like, if you really like horses, Denver might be the best NBA city for you, right? So like the you're whole, out- the horses
1: will keep them in Denver. <laughs> I mean,
0: he, why not? Like it's, it's, it's got that vibe where you're like, oh, like, you know, like it's the high plains, you know, all that stuff. And I also think like Jokic, if you just like listen to the way he's interviewed and stuff, he seems like the type of guy who's like more cool with just staying there and repping Denver, as long as they're like pretty good. Now, if like, You know, Porter can't ever play again and Murray just looks like a scrub, sure. Flight risk. But I think I think the the flight risk with Jokic would be through trade after that extension if things aren't going well. Because I do really think that like he'll give Denver more time than he should. Like he'll be like he'll do he'll do the Damian Lillard thing where it's like yoke, Jokic. Like you probably should have pulled the plug a bit earlier. Yeah, that makes sense, man. That does make sense. The horses will keep him in Denver, which is like the craziest, the craziest, <laughs> the <laughs> craziest reason NBA is stuck in a pseudo small market is the horses in that area are good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. But I think you're right. It does seem to suit him in, in, in Denver. Uh, and I, I think I, I'm not really worried about him like like taking off to go join the Lakers or something. I, I more so wonder if he might go join a team that looks like they'll win a championship if if he joins. Right. But I, as long as they look decent, I think he's likely to stay. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think he'll end up with the Rockets, and because he wants to pair with Alper and Shang-Goon and be like, "Yes, twin towers, awesome interior passing." <laughs> yeah,
1: there. yeah. That's that's basically what I think is going to happen too. Uh, would you
0: trade? Would you trade Shengoon straight up with like most of the Brooklyn picks for Jokic? Yes. Right.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah. Mo- yes, I think so. It's no, that needs to be a million percent.
1: I don't know though, because here okay, here's so first of all, that we would then have to trade Christian Wood for, for win now pieces that fit with with Jokic, which is Boy, which is great. I don't know, man, because here's the thing. We're we're a draft poor team without those Brooklyn picks, right? Jokic, like Jokic isn't gonna join. Kevin Porter Jr. and, and Jalen Green and Jay Sean Tate and, and make a title contender. It's a significantly worse team than he has in Denver. So I'd have to, I guess I had to look at other like accompanying pieces and what's happening. Like if we can get, if we can get uh, another star for, for Christian Wood and maybe some other picks or something, I'd have to think about it, but I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I would.
0: I'll just put it to you this way. If a player like Jokic, you just, just so we were clear, is probably the best player in the world. Yeah. becomes available you this is what you do you get him and you worry about all of those other things once you have them because here's the thing I would rather be worrying about that with Jokic than being like I really hope we get the number one pick and you can draft Paolo Benchero because one is certainty that you're going to be good and one is I need a lot of things to still happen
1: yeah good point good point yeah
0: Maury, 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 would back me up on this. He'd be like, James, just get the you superstars, get the superstar and worry the fuck about everything later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think that's, I think this is good. I think this is yeah. good. All right. Thanks for sticking around. Fans of Above the Break, I'm Nevin Brown. As always, I'm joined by
1: James Piercy.
0: All right. Remember, like, subscribe, rate, Review. If you're a Houston Rockets fan, please check out spacecityscoop.com. I write for the website, I edit for the website and we have some pretty interesting and engaging rockets content. Also, make sure you follow James on Twitter, which is what? at James Piercy?
1: At, at James Piercy 11.
0: At James Piercy 11, he has a bunch of rockets takes. I don't necessarily agree with all of them um but he gave me a look like how dare you what i mean come on some of your takes are homer fan takes and
1: all all my takes are
0: flawless like yes okay levar ball um <laughs> all right until next oh we'll be recording this friday so we should have definitely another episode up soon so stay on the lookout for us and as always peace
1: peace